1: Topic we're going to talk about relative to to sales. My guest is Brad Zup, and Brad is, I don't know, I guess I'll call Brad a you know, world class memory expert um, and captain or co captain of the US memory <laughs> memory team.
2: I guess you'd call it, Brad. Is that what you call it? That's it. I was the co captain of the USA memory team this memory last team. year and there's, at there's the World Memory Championships. The
1: world Memory
2: Championships that were in
1: Chengdu, China. And you're probably wondering okay, what's this have to do with sales? And if you've read my books at all and things you've, I've written, you know that I believe memory has a lot to do with your success in sales. Your ability to recall the details of the deals you're working on and the customers you're dealing with and so on. All of that. And not relying on having access to technology to recall it. If you can have it top of mind, you have an advantage over your competition. So Brad's going to talk with us today about uh, things we can do to improve our memories to help us succeed in sales. Brad, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: So, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit before we get into the meat of the
2: matter. Is, Gosh, how'd you get into uh, being a memory expert? <laughs> I know, it sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Well, when I was about to turn 40, I found myself walking into rooms and not realizing why I was there. Wait, wait, and
1: so at age 40?
2: Yes, yep. Yeah. Um, that alarmed me, and I thought, okay, if this is 40 what's 50 60 70 80 gonna be like because I thought you know like most of us well it's, you know whatever age we are it's just a number it's just a number it doesn't matter it's just a number but it was more than just a number if I can't remember things <laughs> yeah. so I can't remember what the number is yeah it's like my 37 47 <laughs> who knows what I am so uh, and I also had an uncle who passed away after living with Alzheimer's or suffering with Alzheimer's right. for 10 years and I saw you know his degeneration and I thought well I don't know that uh, it's actually a He was my uh, great uncle. So a little bit far removed from my main branch of my uh, family tree. But I thought, you know, if this is at all possibly hereditary, I got to do something. I'm not going to be, you know, a 65-year-old sitting around watching Wheel of Fortune every day because I don't have the memory capacity to go out and live my life. Yeah. So well, I, I, th- I threw myself into memory improvement. I read everything i get my hands on. I started kind of testing myself. I was my own little lab rat and said, well, does this work? You know, well, this book says this works. Let me, I don't know about that. I'm pretty skeptical. Let me try it. And i try it. And for the most part, most things work. Some things just didn't apply to me or I couldn't make happen. But I found myself enjoying the the mental challenge of trying to remember better. And I'd heard, I'd read a... Time Magazine article about memory competitions years and years before that. And I was like, oh, that sounds, wow. Who would ever want to suffer through that? Crazy people. And I thought about that as I was getting into this. And I looked up memory competitions and I went to one. And with very little practice, I came in like 19th or something. And memorizing a deck of cards and as quick as I could. And it just, it's kind of like the first time you play a sport, and you realize, hey, you know, I'm no good at this, but I kind of like it. That's I kind of got bitten by the bug, I guess you'd say. So years later, now I'm a memory speaker, a memory coach, uh, co-captain of the world memory or uh, co-captain of Team USA at the World Memory Championships, and I'm um, I'm really involved in both the sport of remembering and also I kind of like, kind of like going around the world and saying, hey, people, listen to me your memory's important we have got to pay attention to this and we got to keep it sharp
1: all right we're going to get into that especially because again i'm a passionate believer that's really important in sales is let's talk about these competitions cuz you were describing them to me earlier before we came on the air is pretty fascinating stuff so you talk about memorizing a deck of cards so you're given a certain period of time to memorize you get a plain deck of cards you shuffle yep. it yep you turn it over you look at the cards and the order they're in that deck is taken away from you, and you're given a brand new deck, unshuffled, and you have to order it in the order of the, that your shuffled deck had been in.
2: That's correct. And, and you have like
1: five minutes to do this.
2: Up to five minutes. My best, oh, yeah. Well, take your time. Five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> My best in competition is 83 seconds. My personal best in training is 58 seconds to memorize a deck of cards. So, 50, I'm doing 58 50 in, in, in the, 58 seconds. In yes. the
1: order there. There, okay
2: yes. So what I hope to show with doing this and going to these competitions especially being older uh, there's some younger kids these days who are doing even more amazing things if you can imagine because just like in, in in a lot of sports the older you get you've got to change a little bit and you're just not as not as good with any sport as you were when you were younger most sports almost all sports I should say. But what I hope to do by going to this competition, memorizing cards, memorizing uh, a, a random number for an hour to see how many digits I can commit to memory in an hour, um, that's thats amazing uh, and for the most part. But what I hope to show is I'm just an ordinary guy. I, I I'm not a prodigy. I wasn't, you know, the, the uh, perfect student in school. I'm not the sharpest tack on the bulletin board. But if an ordinary guy can improve his memory like this, why can't anyone? That's what I hope to do. So at the competitions, the World Memory Championships is a a three-day, 10-event competition. I could totally bore you with all of them, but basically it's memorizing numbers, memorizing the names of people, you know, from pictures on paper, all within a time pressure. Some of them you have uh, as little time as you can take, like the cards. Others, everyone gets like, five minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour to commit as much as possible. At the end of the time frame, whatever it is, the the information is taken away. We're given a recall sheet. Sometimes it's paper. Sometimes it's a deck of cards to put back in order. And then we're given a certain amount of time to recall. Of course, that's under pressure too because you have to do recall as much as you can in the small amount of time you have. And then that's taken away and graded at the end of the time. You're your score is uh, computed, and the team that wins, wins, and the person that wins, wins. This year as a team, we came in silver medal, which is the best second place ever for Team USA in the history of the World Memory Championship. So I was very proud to be a part of it.
1: No, oh, congratulations. So who won?
2: Um, an American won, uh, which is great. Oh, for a so- team
1: competition, I think.
2: Oh, the the team competition, the Germans won again. So Germans, (laughs) the Swedes, we beat the Chinese, uh, which is nice. But uh, the overall winner was an American friend of mine, Alex Mullen. He's a uh, pre-med student. And so in the midst of studying, uh, taking his pre-med classes, he also trained for the competition. And uh, he came in first and was absolutely amazing. Set several world records as he went along. It was uh, quite impressive. Of course, he's, I believe, 23 years old, so half my age. But uh, it's amazing what people are doing these days. And the power of our minds, I think, is a large and untapped area.
1: Right. And But as you talked about, most importantly, this is a learned skill. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's not, you're not, you're not born with the capacity to be, you know, somebody has an eidetic memory, I guess. But I mean, most people... It's it's a learned skill,
2: just like sales. I think. Yeah, I mean, there just are like some sales. people that can just shake a hand and you know sell sell anything. It's like, here, sell this. Okay, great. Hey, buddy, check out. Well, they have that
1: facility for building rapport with people and making them feel exactly. comfortable and so on. Yeah, which, yeah, but if you
2: don't have that skill,
1: which I believe I
2: that skill can be learned. Right. You talked in one of your other podcasts about it being more of an introvert, as am I. But we know we can learn to turn it on and we can learn when it's appropriate to be a little bit more extroverted and we can have conversation stuff. All that stuff can be learned. Closing techniques can be learned. Asking questions can be learned. When to ask the right question can be learned. Um, asking leading questions. All that stuff in sales can be learned with a, a good coach like yourself. And I believe that the memory part of it can be improved as well. Now I don't think that salespeople need to be as maybe crazy about it or as committed to it as I am. Because the neat thing about this is that so few people are even trying to remember these days. That's all we've got our phones. You know, I've got my smartphone, I've got Siri or I've got you know Google to say, hey, you know, remind me that I have an appointment tomorrow at you know three o'clock. Okay. And we're all set.
1: Life is not an open book test. That's that's <laughs> I keep saying that. And if people remember what it means to have an open book test is, you yes. can take a test and have all of your, well, you know, textbooks and everything available yep. with you to fill out the answers. And you know, we used to love those in college is have open. They book were tests. easy because, but they didn't well.
2: necessarily show you what you knew.
1: Yeah, there was always a trick to them, right? So um, more was demanded of you as a result of that.
2: So but, I think but life today, is the same way. I, yeah, I think today, you know, with so few people trying to remember. A small improvement on a salesperson's part in remembering something makes you look like you're a superhuman. Well, I think it, that's I mean, it's like, true. whoa, he remembered my name. Or, oh, he remembered my kid at a baseball uh, game, and he asked me about it. Or she remembered I hated blue, and there was no way I was going to buy a blue car. The, she, wow, she's amazing. <laughs> Such a small thing. But... Well, small when
1: things small things make a difference. So small things make a big difference. A huge difference. So in sales, and increasingly, and and yeah, just that regular listeners to the show may roll their eyes. So I say this again is just, you know, it's your success is more based about how you sell than what you're selling. And because, you know, crowded markets, we all look alike, all the vendors mm-hmm. and sellers look alike. So it really boils down to first perceptions that you make or first impressions that you make on people, their perceptions of you, their initial perceptions of you. Really become powerful, and if you can't remember people's names if you can't remember the things they've told you previously about what's important to them or the conversations you had with them it, it, the difference is, at the end of the day i I talk about this in the most recent book is what I call the one percent difference is you know the winner in many sales you only have to be one percent better than your competition mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that one percent could be just this difference between mem- remembering something about the prospect. That affects your your relationship with them versus somebody that doesn't. Exactly,
2: and two of your recent guests, uh, Jason Troy and Josie Ann. I didn't catch her last name. because uh, Yeah, I was out. Uh, I was grocery shopping as I listened to that. But she said, you know, salespeople. You guys were talking about you know adding value, and if you can. She she referenced her relative who went to buy a Tesla. Just went online, picked out what. He wanted, and there's no salesperson involved. So, as salespeople, we have to add value. And if if you can, if if you as a salesperson can just look up the detail and say, "Yeah, here's the detail," they probably don't need you. If a detail is just you know look upable mm-hmm. on your phone or something, why are they using you? Where's your value? Why do as an introvert, I'd rather just sit here on the computer and go, "Oh, well, I'll look up that detail. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, I'll buy it, or no, oh, I don't want it because it doesn't work for me." So to add value, you have to know things and you have to remember those things to be able to parse them down. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to spend four hours on Google trying to figure out the answer. I'd much rather go somewhere and ask a salesperson or call a salesperson and say, what's the answer? And have them go, okay, well, what's your – okay, yeah, this is because they have all that knowledge. But if they are just going, okay, well, let me look that up for you, I don't need that. Well, you
1: can't that look up in the middle of a sales call, right? And that's really where it's important, where you're actually involved in a conversation with the prospect. Yeah, You have to have some recall about your product and what it does and the value that you can bring to the prospect and help the ways that you can help them make a decision because, you know, and you raised a great point, is, is in the business-to-business space, primarily, is you're only going to be talking to the prospect because they don't have any more information they can glean from your website or anything else, and they've got additional questions and, and information they need in order to make a decision. So they have to talk with you about it. Yep. And if they could do it all online, they would do it all online. But you're still in a position where they expect that you are going to bring something of value. So you have to you have to remember <laughs> you have to remember you know some basic things. It's not like I said you can't always go refer to your computer or the internet or whatever. So let's start with something really simple, which is is. Salespeople are historically really bad at. And may give some tips on this. And this is remembering names. Yes. So, first of all, why is it so hard? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why it's important. I mean, it's important because <laughs> you know you're trying to you're trying to build a relationship with a person. Yep. And if you can't remember their names,
2: it starts you out in a bad bad foot, doesn't it? Oh,
1: it starts to be horrible. And it's I always tell a story about this uh, back when much younger and my wife at the time, we, we hung out with this group of like five couples. And we'd see these people several times a year. And one of the couples could never remember either my name or my ex-wife's name. <laughs> 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 and it really became annoying. I mean, this, yes. this happened over a course of you know, years,
2: you know, maybe like 10 years. And would you buy something from that person? Well, absolutely no. not. No, they can't remember my name after I've met them this many times. I'm not going to buy something from them.
1: Well, and they just obviously weren't trying. So, I mean, my you know childish response to it was is, is I started calling them by wrong names intentionally when every time we were together,
2: <laughs> just to mess with them, <laughs>
1: just to mess with them. But um, you don't very do that. mature of you, Andy. <laughs> very <laughs> mature of me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to do that in a sales situation. So, so why is it so hard to remember a name? Well, it's an abstract and. Well you got but you have a face to associate with. Why is why is it? Well,
2: and that's why people say, Oh, I remember your face, but I can't remember your name because we see our we see the faces. We generally don't see the name. And you'd be surprised the number if you meet somebody in a mixer and they have a name tag on, name retention goes way up because you can see it written out. We're most even people that say they're they're they learn best by hearing. mm mm-hmm. Um, I think they're the they're the rare, rare side because even they don't necessarily catch the name. The other thing with with the the face is our minds love to remember pictures. Scientists done. This isn't just you know Brad's up supposed Mm. memory expert talking. Uh, What what I talk about is what the scientists have figured out and what I've tested on myself. And I know from what scientists say and what my mind likes is I can remember a picture so much better than I can remember a group of words on a page. Just because the mind likes pictures for whatever reason. So we see a face, and that's basically you know a picture, even if it's live. It's a, it's an image. And a name is something we hear or even just read. It's just a series of made-up letters. I mean, letters are made up. It's just a way mm-hmm. to communicate information. An A doesn't mean anything. A-N-D-Y, that doesn't mean anything. So, I mean, think of people who can't read. They, I mean, the literal A and D Y literally means nothing to them. Right. It's just, you know, it's a made up thing. So our mind is, is kind of looks like that. Our mind is kind of illiterate in in that memory way of seeing uh, an A an and D Y isn't memorable memorable to it. Now, picturing your face and you holding a little Toy Story cowboy. That's memorable to me because the Toy Story cowboy, Woody, Mm -hmm. his owner was was Andy. Andy, So, if I picture you, you know, we're at a business event or a mixer or something and you're in your suit and tie and you're carrying around this life-size Woody, uh, you know, um, teddy bear basically – And I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to see you next time. And my mind's going to go, oh, he looks familiar. Oh, yeah, he's the guy. What was he? Was he carrying around a teddy bear? No, he was carrying around that. Woody. Why was his name Woody? No, his name is Andy. Because if your name was Woody, I'd picture you with the the whole uh, Woody outfit on. I'd picture you and instead of wearing your tie, maybe you'd have a bolo tie, or you'd and you'd have a cowboy hat, and you'd be so wearing saying- spurs with your expensive suit. So I'd picture that, and it would be like, "Oh, why do I see him in it? Does he like riding horses? Is he from the out west? No, he's a he's Woody. Hey, Woody, how you doing?" And I'd have it.
1: So that's that's your tip then for. It's kind of
2: an advanced tip. Advanced I say tip the, for
1: names is is do an association. So yeah, but the case first of,
2: part is what Jason Troy was saying about you know introducing people and stuff of like that. Very hard to introduce people if you can't remember the you know say hey you know what brought you here oh uh, my name is okay my name's your name's Andy okay great oh somebody over here hey do you know Andy very hard to do that if you can't remember Andy's name for the you know for ten seconds right. So that case what I do is just hear the name. So often, like you said, people aren't trying or they're worried. Do I have spinach in my teeth or, geez, my, uh, you know, I, I had that crab puff. It was my, my breath smell bad? You know, anything like that. We're not focusing. And someone says, hi, you know, um, you know, it was your first time here. My name's Andy. And we go, oh, yeah, it is. My, what did you say his name was? And it's gone already because right. we didn't take a moment to hear it. So really, my first step is ever, from now from now on, anytime you meet someone, the first topic of conversation is just their name people love hearing their name, they like feeling like you're trying to remember so using it in
1: conversation yeah, with
2: them using it and actually just going uh, something repeating it once or twice, don't be creepy, but just repeat it once or twice and try to think in your mind, oh what does that remind me of okay Andy, oh, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Toy Story, right? Toy Story or you know Brad, oh that reminds me of Brad Pitt, Oh, this guy looks nothing like Brad Pitt <laughs> brad paisley oh he looks nothing like brad paisley all right but just that is enough to go oh yeah that's that's uh i'm seeing brad oh it's brad yeah that's it something to connect with what you already have you know velcro you need two pieces to make it stick so something is already in your mind with most names and if you can just go okay do I know someone with that name? Do I know a famous person with that name? Oh, I wonder, that's a strange name. I don't have anything in my, so I wonder how that's spelled. It sounds like it's spelled, I met a good friend of mine years ago named Nafisa, which is, a I think, a pretty common Middle Eastern name, but I'd never heard the, the term Nafisa, the name Nafisa before. And that was such, I'm like, I don't have anything to connect that to. So I'm like, well, Nafisa, how do you spell it? Is it N-A, I think it's N-A-F-I. And I spelled it how I thought it should be spelled. And she's like, yeah, that's it. And just that simple process of going, well, Nafisa. It should be spelled this way. Is it? Yeah, that's right. And we had a conversation about, you know, what her heritage is, how her family named her that. Mm-hmm. And it's stuck ever since. I met a I met a man named Setu. Okay. I got nothing for that. So, we Talked about how his family decided to name say to. And how do you spell that? Oh, S-E-I-T. Okay, great. I got it. So just, I mean, you can even have a conversation about John. Oh, John, is that short for Jonathan? Is it, is it J-O-H-N or is it J-O-N? Did they call you Johnny growing up? Do you is that your nickname now? Or you prefer John? Jonathan, Johnny? Okay, John, just that. You can have a 10-second conversation with someone about their name and it'll stick. Because you know, our minds know how to remember things. We just need to help them out a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I so lots of good tips right there is is let's use that short, short conversation, a few seconds, just engaging about the name, but also using it in conversation with them not overusing it, so you're starting every sentence with Brad, yes. do you believe or Brad is this, but use it a couple of times. That should help embed it in your mind much more reliably than it would be if, if you weren't doing that. So We're going to take a short break, and we will be back with my guest Brad Zupp in just a second. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect & Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect & Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect & Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Alright, I'm back with my guest today, Brad Zupp. Co-captain of the U.S. Memory Team at the recent World Memory Championships in Chengdu, China, and helping us with some tips about how we can, as salespeople, how we can get better at remembering certain things, or everything actually. And so we talked about before the break. We talked about how to a couple tips to help make it easier to remember names. Now the next big thing is, is you know we've got sort of a little bit of an issue with sales. that's you know not a new issue at all. Is Salespeople are so anxious to ask the questions they have that they don't really listen to the answers that they're getting. So, how, what tips would you give people for listening in such a way in order to retain? Right, because this is a this is a huge thing with making a connection with your prospect. Is you finally get the chance to get in front of them to start doing discovery and ask some meaningful questions and some insightful questions, but. Yeah, unfortunately, so often reps are really prescripted scripted in terms of the questions they've got lined up to ask, and they're already thinking ahead to that second question before they, ask. they hear the answer to the first one. What would you advise them in terms of yeah, how to how to listen for memory?
2: Well, certainly when you're, if you're in the situation, it doesn't always work this way, but taking notes is good because that gives you a chance to actually write down things, which will help your memory, and also to kind of Stifle your natural reaction to jump in, and what about this? What do you think? And you know, be overly enthusiastic, uh, just to jot things down. And obviously, that's more for a, a sales person that has, you know, needs to take notes, uh, a higher end type thing.
1: What? And I let me ask a question about that because I I have this. I still, after <laughs> decades selling, still have this question in my mind about whether. I listen better just listening all the way through and take notes at the end of the meeting as opposed to Mm. taking notes as we go.
2: For me, and and I speak for what works best for me, I haven't done extensive studies, but I do like to take notes as I go. But you don't have to. That's the nice thing about remembering. And it depends. If you're in a two-hour fact-finding meeting with a prospective client if you're a financial planner or something like that or an attorney you better be taking notes because right. gee, even me as a memory expert I don't know if I'm going to remember that that tiny but important detail they said five minutes in answer to question number one when I'm at the end of my 90 minute meeting but uh, some people just you know sit back and 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 hear it I think it really starts for me before the meeting before the the actual, sales call, and it comes back to being still and being focused. And that helps memory too. The I, I hesitate sometimes you use the word meditation because it has a negative connotation to so many people. So you can say just sitting quietly and breathing or going for a walk in the morning or end at night or doing an activity without the TV, without the radio on, without talking on the phone. And cooking, cooking a, a, a wonderful meal for yourself and being fully engrossed in that can be very helpful in just being present. So anything you can do to, to practice being present, doesn't have to be yoga or meditation, but it could be jogging, could be weightlifting, could be tennis, where you're in the moment. The more of that we can do on a regular basis, at least a couple times a week, if not every day, I think the easier it is, at least for me to show up for an interview or for a sales appointment and listen and be patient and hear and remember better. Because I'm training my mind in other areas of my life to be focused and in the moment. So it's much easier to show up and do that. Hmm.
1: That's interesting. It's a a great perspective to to sort of think about as you practice, if you're not going to practice meditation and being in the moment or mindfulness as you talked about, Mm -hmm. or you didn't use mindfulness, but it what the same, thing? Yeah, that's what I mean. Mind, right, but some people go,
2: Oh, mindfulness, ah, I don't want to do that. Whatever, going for a walk in the woods, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah, let's call it mindfulness because you know, <laughs> why not? Why not? And it's, it's really crazy, what it's, really what it's all about. And uh, yeah, we won't can't accommodate everybody. So, is that's really a, an important skill? And certainly, I Incorporate that in what I do. I I teach it uh, to audiences. I talk about, you know, listening skills, about how to be mindful and present. Is what you're saying is doing that, then you're really opening yourself up to hear, and hearing is really the first step to remembering.
2: Exactly. There are really three steps to remembering, which I discovered as I threw myself into this years ago. First, we have to get the information, which is all about focusing and hearing, because we know how to remember. If Most of the time, if we hear it or read it and we're fully present and we're concentrated and actually trying, we know that, hey, I want to remember this. Our mind does the majority of the work just on its own. We know how to remember things. The next step is saving the information. If you do get the information, but you're not remembering well, that's probably a saving the information. And that's all about having a messy mind closet. You know, if your mind's cluttered and you're stressed out and you're just piling way too much stuff in there and you're not organizing it and not going through at the end of the day, kind of going, okay, what did I learn today? Okay, I'm going to put that over there. I'm going to sort through it. That makes sense. So that goes with the kind of group things together mentally. That's the second step. The last step is if you've ever uh, said or felt, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, and you're constantly put in a situation where you need to have the answer and you don't have the answer, and then as soon as you turn away or the person turns away or you leave the room or you're done with your meeting, you hang up the phone, you go, oh, yeah, that's the answer. It was in there and you were under pressure. That's a recall issue. And it's really important to figure out where am I having the most trouble? Am I just not paying attention to what my spouse says, or am I hearing what my spouse <laughs> maybe, says? Maybe the, maybe
1: the wrong example.
2: Yes. Well. Well, that's it for most. For, for a lot of people, sometimes people roll their eyes with memory. Oh, I've got a great memory. You know, I'm at work. I I nail it. Nobody's ever said, "Oh, Andy doesn't remember things." I'm I'm the I got the best memory at the at the office. Well, let's ask you know Andy's family how he's doing because a lot of times, especially successful salespeople are really successful and then they need their downtime. And where does that downtime come from? Home. So we get home and we don't hear what our husbands say or what our wives say or what our kids say or we hear them. But you know it's not quote important unquote because it's not, you know, money making. So we don't try. We don't actually hear and and take in what our husband or wife says. And that can lead to a lot of stress at home. Well, obviously, so yeah, yeah. when I say, when, I, when people say, oh, I've got a great memory, I say, oh, you know, for work? Oh, yeah, I'm great at work. Well, how are you doing at home? Oh, my wife says I have a horrible memory. And then it comes out <laughs> because we're, and that's often of those three steps, that's often a focus problem. You know, a lot of people dedicate so much of their time and energy and focus to the work that when we need our downtime, we blow off what our, what our families say. Well so uh,
1: interesting conundrum though is is or I think it's a bit of a conundrum is that yeah you know, I think one of the prerequisites for sales success unless you're doing just a really sort of rote rote sales but anything you know you're involved with a person you're trying to solve a problem for a person that's your customer you are trying to help them make a great decision is is you get that information in your head and you you ruminate about it mm-hmm and to me, the ruminations having all that detail in there and then being able to move the pieces around to see if you can put it into an order that makes sense, right? And you ruminate on it and you know, you sort of have that that insight at some point, not necessarily a eureka moment, but you know, an aha moment. But you can't do that if you can't remember
2: all mm-hmm. the details. Definitely.
1: But at the same time it's it's but you're not necessarily like giving yourself a rest though, either.
2: No, that's true, and I think that's that's a, that's a process problem. I was working with someone who had a lot of uh, – a wonderful problem to have, a lot of calls, a lot of uh, both inbound and outbound calls and appointments they needed to make, uh, so much so that some days and, and even weeks, they were literally back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Mm-hmm. And it was an important thing. I got to talk to this person because they may want to move forward with this. And when you have a call, even say you have three calls, you have nine, 10, and 11, and they're back to back. You have enough time to run to the restroom, and then you're back at the call, or you're in the car driving to the next one, and you got just enough time to, you know you know, drive through and grab something to eat and you're at the next one. Where does the time come for that processing? Where does the time come for making the notes or even just going through it in your mind with, you know what, the more they talk about it, the more I'm not sure we're a good fit, but we could be in two months or, or we're definitely a good fit. And if I just remember to tell them about this, that's what will help close the sale because that's really what their their hot button is. But if we're back to back to back, how do you handle that? So, my suggestion for this person was, you know, as, as tempting as it is to book a 9, a 10, and 11, you know, book a 9, a 10.30, and a noon or a, a 1 to give yourself that time afterwards to, to process. Because when you're just on to the next one, then you start confusing. Okay, did, did prospect A say that mm-hmm, at 9, mm-hmm. or was it prospect B at 10, or was it prospect C at 11?
1: Well, yeah, and think about it from the other perspective, the perspective of the buyer, who maybe has uh, scheduled meetings at nine with one seller, ten with another, and eleven with another? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at noon you tell them, okay, which you know, how are each which of these you different? <laughs> In their yeah. mind, they're all the same.
2: Yes, so that's a that's a that's a that's not so much a memory thing, but that's a more of a management and a sales planning tool of how can I be my most effective. Salesperson? How can I, how can I best help my client? Are they really being served by me scheduling them back to back to back? Because the process and you know, I was a pretty successful realtor for a number of years. And it was before I really got into the the memory stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had checklists and I had notes and I had spreadsheets. And I think all that's fine. Because at some point, I'm like Airline pilots, Uh, don't hear me say I'm advocating, oh, I just use your memory. Yeah, you're an airline pilot. You don't need a checklist. Just literally wing it. It's fine. Everything will be fine. Same thing if you're a real estate salesperson and you're doing a deal, you've got all these details. You've got to handle. Do you really need to keep all those details in your mind for the two, three, five, ten clients you're in process with? Uh, I don't know if I could do that these days, and I'm the memory expert. So, you have to decide what's important for me to remember. And that's a discernment issue. That's a, my mind can handle so much stuff. I'm not going to outsource everything. That's one end of the spectrum. But I'm not going to try to remember everything. Everything either. I'm not going to be the guy that's glued to his phone with the chime going, now it's time to remember this. Now it's time to remember this. But at the same time, I'm not going to be the guy who's forgetting everything because he has too much to remember. Mm -hmm. So there has to be that middle ground and names of people. The people skills, I think, are the great things to prioritize in our memories. The closing is on the 30th. That's a that's a pretty big thing. You know, the home inspection has to be done by the 15th, or my buyer is stuck in this home if he, you know, if we whether right. he wants it or not. Is there are some things that have to be remembered. Other things like, you know, the the name of the assistant at the title company or at the law firm. Does that have to be remembered? Your client wanted to use them. You have no relationship with them. You have your people. You don't want to remember them. You don't need to remember them. Maybe that's something that can be written down on a piece of paper.
1: But the client's name, that'd be an important one to have.
2: The client's name, maybe the spouse, maybe yeah. the, kids. the kids. And maybe that little Johnny had a, had a semifinals game on Thursday night. Hey, how did it go on Thursday with little yeah. Johnny? Did he, did, he, did he hit a home run? He was hoping he'd finally do that. Wow. That's a that's a that's a big thing right there.
1: Yep. Well good. Well Brad it's been great talking to you. Uh, how can people find out more about you?
2: They can find about more about me by going to my website. It's bradzup.com. So think of Brad Pitt, which I look nothing like, and a zebra holding balloons going up in the air with an extra balloon because there's two p's on my name. It's z u p p.com. If people want a free report, it's bradzup.com slash, wait for it, free report. So that should be easy enough to remember. Say, I want the free report from that guy and you probably will find it. And uh, I'm available for coaching, but also public speaking. That's where I I do the most good. I think I'm going around the world trying to convince people to remember better.
1: And if only they could remember to call you. (laughs) That's right. You would have more business. So, (laughs) Brad, thanks for joining me. And remember that's Brad's up. You think about the zebra balloons going up. Extra extra two balloons, we'll say that would give two Ps. And again, thanks for being on the show.
2: I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Eddie.
1: No, my pleasure. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate to part of your daily routine, listening on your commute in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting. Actually, I wouldn't have to do this this end pitch here if everybody remembering what I'd said. Uh, <laughs> that way, you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Brad Zupp, who shared his expertise about memory and about how to use that to accelerate the growth of your business. So, thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.
0: Hey, sales strategists! At revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales, we're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence.